we are on our third week of Advent, and um, you know the, the word everlasting is interesting, right? Some things are everlasting, and we wish they weren't. Is that right? Um, Paul and I just moved, and uh, we are going to be unpacking boxes from everlasting to everlasting. It's <laughs> just never going to end. Um, it's just one of those things. And so I just talked to somebody who said they've been. They've been in their house for three years and still haven't unpacked all the boxes. And I'm like, no judgment. Like, we're going to be unpacking for the rest of our lives. So that's just the way it goes with unpacking. A few other things seem everlasting, like trips to the dentist office that just takes forever and seems horrible the whole time. Waiting in line for your coffee at Starbucks, that seems to be everlasting sometimes when you're dying for that cup. Uh, some of your parents and teenagers might recognize, you know, waiting for a t text back from your teenage boy. That's everlasting. That's eternal. Uh, you've been a long time for that. So some things, uh, even our most precious things, our most precious relationships and loves do at some point come to an end in this world. The fact of the matter is um, that, that nothing is everlasting in this kingdom, on this earth. This earth is, is going to pass away. This time passes away. But there is everlastingness in God's kingdom. And guess what? You're part of God's kingdom. So you're everlasting and eternal. You are the people next to you. I am. We are everlasting and eternal. And our God, even more so, is everlasting and eternal in a way that you and I are not. Yeah. And so that's incredible to think about. Um, he is before the beginning of time. And we'll go on and on after all things end. Our God is everlasting. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us is born a king. So let me just read to you this passage that we've been looking at each week. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so we're on the third week of Advent. Yes, there's only two weeks left till Christmas. Yes, Matt, if you haven't started shopping for your wives, we're going to go. Uh, we have some things still to do. But we're talking about the throne names of Jesus this, this season, and we talked about Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, and today is Everlasting Father, and I want to talk, I'm going to take those two words separately, Everlasting and Father, and look at them. This is kind of one of the more puzzling parts of Isaiah 9-6, and so we're going to start with Everlasting. And if you were here last week, you heard Dave Tackle give us this terrific sermon on, on Mighty God. Someone say Mighty God. Mighty God. Mighty God. I mean, just that, just over and over again, he was talking about how mighty our God is, and everlasting kind of is the same idea. In, in talking about God as everlasting Father, as this mighty God, Isaiah is bringing out this point that, that this son, this child who would be born in that manger, is, is going to be eternal. This is not just a normal kid. Okay, this is someone who is a mighty king. He's everlasting, not just a king for this earth, but a king for the heavens, the king yeah, in the yeah. kingdom. And so if you look at that passage, there's a lot in there that keeps talking about this idea of everlasting, right? Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign from that time on until forever. It's all right there in the Isaiah passage. He's everlasting. He's eternal. It's the nature of our God. 
It's all throughout the Old Testament. Over and over again you see the eternality, the everlastingness of our God is all in there. He's not like the pagan gods who they believed were born and lived, and, and they're almost like men in godlike bodies. Right now, that our God is. He is the I am. Yes. 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 Always existing evermore. My God. What's the first line of your Bible say? It says, in the beginning. In the beginning of all things. God is there. There's nothing before him. He wasn't born or created. He's just always been everlasting. We heard it in the Advent reading this morning, done by the Turner family. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's before all things. It's just all, he's in everything, everything from the beginning of time. And just in case we're not convinced that this is all about Jesus that we're talking here, we can go into another prophet from the Old Testament, Micah. And Micah 5.2 says this. We heard this also this morning. But you, Bethlehem, Ephathra, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from what? Everlasting. Everlasting. And John confirms this about Jesus when he writes in his gospel, which we've just been studying for the whole fall. If anybody can remember back to the very first week, and the very first line of John is very similar to the first line of Genesis, right? The beginning of the Bible, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Everlasting. It's Jesus. So what does this mean for you and for me? Why does this matter? I'm harping on this point. Why? It's because you and I are surrounded this season by reminders of the, of the Christ child, right? And it's a beautiful thing, right? You have the nativity scenes set up all over town. There's little decorations. There's all these things. And it's all very cute and precious, right? A little baby cooing in the manger, and the black cattle are lowing, and, and the little shepherd boys holding his lamb. You know, it's all very sweet and wonderful, and it's true, right? All of that is true. And Yet for some of us, that's all that Christmas is about. It's just this little tableau, this little pretty scene with the children. And I want you to see something different this year when you look at the nativity. I want when you look at that child in that store window, in that display in front of a church, I want you to see the everlasting one. My God. That he's the everlasting one. That little child. He was from old, from the beginning, and will always be. And then that little child is also reigning now on the throne of heaven, but full of glory and might. Yeah. And he's going to be judging the living and the dead. He's going to reign and reign forever and ever. <coughs> and so this is what we see when we see this child. Mm. Amen. Everlasting. Say everlasting. 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 He's everlasting. He is as Colossians. So incredibly precious. This passage always just makes the hair stand on the back of my neck. The image, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. My God. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's our Jesus. That's who he is. That's who's in the manger today. Hallelujah. So let that lift up your hearts this season. You know, the season is not really about whether you're going to have a whole bunch of family coming or you're traveling or you're making cookies or you're back and doing presents. All that stuff's great. 
And if you enjoy all that, if you have family traditions you want to keep on, you keep on, you know, because that's a joyful thing. My son has been texting us pictures. He bought his first real tree. They just got married this May. They bought a real tree. He set it up, and he said, we're doing colored lights because colored lights go on the inside tree. That's because that's what we do, you know. So, so that, he's just carrying on the tradition, and that's beautiful. I love it. I love seeing that. But I want to tell you something, that you're not missing out if you don't even do one of those things. Christmas is not about all of that. Christmas is about the everlasting, eternal one. Come to us. The child born, the one who's before all things and in who all things are held together, born to us on Christmas Day. Emmanuel, God, with us. You can live your life on that. You can live your life knowing that Jesus is right there with you, that he came as a child, but he has been always before and will be always forever, and he will never leave you or forsake you. He is with you from everlasting to everlasting. His love extends towards you. Mighty God. Mighty God. So lift him up. I want you to walk by that display of that nativity and just say, everlasting God. (laughs) Just think it. Mighty God. All of these incredible grand words are about the King Jesus who was born in that little manger. So that's, that's who our Jesus is. Praise God. That's the everlasting part of this phrase. But let's talk now about the word Father. Because this is the very confusing part of the Isaiah passage, I think. Because we know we're talking about Jesus, the Son, the child is born, and yet he's being called everlasting Father. Wait, I thought there was the Father and the Son. And who, what, are we, what are we talking about here, Isaiah? What's happening? And so a couple of things I'll say about that. The first is, I don't believe that Isaiah is consciously bringing us a teaching about the Trinity, okay? He is, remember, giving us throne names of the king. And so he's talking about this is going to be the characteristics of this king who is going to be born to us. And so this king is going to have these characteristics. He's going to be a counselor. He's going to be mighty. He's going to be a a father. He's going to be all of these things, a prince of peace. And a lot of the commentators talk about this fact that this idea that um, he's called father is that the Messiah to come would be the father over mankind. He's instituting a new covenant. He's, he's birthing a new t- a church. And he's like the father over this new movement that's coming into place. Jesus is the originator. He's the beginning, right? The father of all mankind. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. But I also can't help but wonder if the Holy Spirit, when he was inspiring Isaiah to write those words, if he wasn't deliberately giving him those words as, a, as kind of a, a um, I don't know, laying the groundwork, kind of laying hints to, to our understanding of what the Trinity would be. That each of these names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, bring to mind Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the Trinity. So it's, it's a way that we see it's being foreshadowed in Isaiah How do we understand this? How can Jesus be at the same breath called everlasting father? It's because God is one, people. We have a a mystery before us that God is one and God is God in three persons. So to see Jesus is to see the father. Jesus makes this very clear. What does he say in John 14? He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. I am in the father and the father is in me. John 10.30 says, I and the father are one. And Hebrews says it even more clearly. The writer of Hebrews, he says this, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Wow. So if you want to know what the Father is like, you look at Jesus. You look at Jesus. Now, I'm going to go a little 
theolo geek theological for you in a minute. If you don't like theology, you can just tune out for two minutes and then come back. Please do come back. Um, but I want to just clarify something about this theologically. By saying that Jesus is the everlasting Father or that he and the Father are one does not mean that there's no distinction between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's the key of our, our theological uh, understanding of the Trinity. There's a heresy that sprang up in the early church. It was called modalism. And that idea, which was not biblical, was that God was one person and he just showed up in different um, modes or forms, right? So if he felt like being the Holy Spirit, he'd be the Holy Spirit. If he felt like being Jesus, he'd be Jesus. If he felt like being uh, the Father, he'd be Father. Now, there's a lot of biblical problems with this. And so this heresy was condemned in the second century and, and said this is not the teaching of the apostles. Um, but I will tell you, it still pops up today. There are some strands in the Christian faith that will, will teach this. Oneness Pentecostalism is one of them. One, oneness theology teaches that there's no trinity, that it's just one person. Um, I could take a long time to explain to you all the scriptures, why we believe in the trinity, but I'll just give you one that just is, to me is as clear as day. If we look at the baptism of Jesus, okay, in Matthew uh, 3, it says this, when Jesus was baptized... So now Jesus is in the water, right? He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him and a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So right there, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all in the same place at the same time. <laughs> so that looks like three people to me, three persons to me. So God is a mystery, but he is three in one. He is all God, but he is three in one. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all have individual persons, but they are one in purpose, in character, in will. They act as one. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. And, you know, I hope, I'm assuming that you know, your mind might be spinning right now. You know, what, what do you, do you pray to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? You can pray to any of them. It's God. <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, it's when we ask Jesus into our heart, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yep. When you become, when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you become a child of the Father. Yes, absolutely. It's all of those things. If your mind's spinning, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. But here's what I thank God for. I thank God we have a God who is more complex than my mind can understand. <laughs> Because if I could get, if I really understood him, he probably wouldn't be God. And so I just thank the Lord that he is so far beyond our understanding. I, I want to read to you this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He's one of my favorite old-timey preachers from the 19th century. And he did a sermon on this passage and talked about this part of the passage. And I just love how he says it. It's a little bit long, but, but bear with me. It's just such an incredible um, quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says this, How complex is the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Almost in the same breath, the prophet calls him a child and a counselor, a son and the everlasting father. This is no contradiction and to us scarcely a paradox, but it is a mighty marvel that he who was an infant should at the same time be infinite. He who was the man of sorrows should also be God over all, blessed forevermore, and that he who is in the divine trinity always called the son should nevertheless be correctly called the everlasting Father. How forcibly this should remind us of the necessity of carefully studying and rightly understanding the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. We must not suppose we shall understand him at a glance. A look will save the soul. You don't need to understand all this to be saved. We can just come to Jesus knowing this much about Jesus and say, I'm here, God, I'm yours 
And we don't have to know any of this stuff. We don't have to care about any of this theology, honestly. Uh, we just have to come to Jesus. So a look will save the soul, but patient meditation alone can fill the mind with the knowledge of our Savior. Glorious mysteries are hidden in his person. He speaks to us in plainest language, and he manifests himself openly in our midst, but yet in his person itself there's a height and a depth which human intellect fails to measure. Amen. Jesus, 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 you are mighty. You are great. There is no one like you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we worship you this morning. We worship you. We thank you that you have come. We thank you that you have come, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. And so I hope all of this has just lifted up your heart to worship Jesus, the King Jesus. There's one more thing that speaks to me when I put these two words together, everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. It reminds us that we have a God who loves us as only a father can, but in a way that our earthly fathers could not. Only a father. In scripture, there's a lot said about fathers blessing their offspring. That was very important in ancient times. We have a couple of examples of that. Jacob, remember, tricking his father out of the blessing that should have gone to Esau, but he took it for himself. So it was very significant that he stole that blessing from his father. Jacob later on now is blessing Joseph, his son, and also his, his son's sons, Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, uh, and, he's, and he's blessing them as a father. It's an important moment for the life of the family. But it's very, very interesting. I was looking up kind of like blessings of the father, um, fathers for the children, and you, know, you find a few cases of earthly fathers blessing their children, but so much more often you see a case of our father in heaven blessing us. That's all through Scripture. That what a father wants to do, when a father is right and, and, and acting as a father should, he wants to impart a blessing on his children. And this is what your father in heaven does. He is the everlasting father, is everlasting pouring blessings on you. Let me just listen to show you a couple of scriptures here. De Deuteronomy 2.7, the Lord your God has blessed you in all the works of your hands. He says that to the Israelites after they wandered in the wilderness. They messed up so royally. <laughs> and he still said he's blessing the work of your hands. To those who are following the Lord, he says in Deuteronomy 28, 6, you will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. When we follow him, we're blessed when we go in and we're blessed when we go out. When you come into the church, when you go out of the church, you're blessed. When you go into your house and out of your house, you're blessed. To his people, to us, he says, Psalm 29, 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. We have a God and Father in heaven who wants to bless you. He wants to bring blessing. And just as they read in the Advent reading, just as an earthly father can bring a blessing to his children for today, our heavenly, eternal, everlasting father, can you bring you a blessing for eternity? His blessings last. Whether you're messing things up royally or not. Whether you deserve it or don't. His blessing rests upon you. His blessing rests upon you. And um, so I, I wanted to think about that a little bit as we go into... Um, our time of ministry. I know some of you may have been part of ceremonies in which maybe your fathers blessed you. Um, you know, churches love to do that kind of thing, or maybe you were able to, as a father, bless your children, and that's great. I love that. If that has happened, that's wonderful. I think you should, as parents, be blessing your children all the time. Don't wait for a ceremony. Moms and dads, walk by your kids' rooms and say a blessing over their rooms when they're sleeping at night, when they're waking up, when, you know, pray a blessing over them at the dinner table. Let them know that you impart a blessing to them. That's so important as families, as parents. 
to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But I also want to realize that many of us never had the benefit of being blessed by a father. Uh, maybe our fathers weren't men of faith. They didn't know, didn't believe in all this sort of thing. Maybe some of us had an anti-blessing from our father. They brought more harm than good, than blessing into our lives. And I want to say something to us today, that you have not missed out if you didn't receive an, a blessing from your earthly father. Because God in heaven, our father in heaven, is ready to bless you right now. He probably already has, but he's ready today to get a, bring a blessing to you that you would receive that father love that maybe you received on earth, maybe you didn't. But God says, I'm here. Hear this. Hear this today. He is ready to pour the love and the blessing of the father upon you. So I'd love us to just take a moment and close our eyes and invite Jesus into our hearts. Here's what's amazing. When you invite Jesus into your heart and confess faith in him, the whole trinity springs into action. Jesus' sacrifice delivers you from your sins and the power of death. The Holy Spirit comes inside you to empower you for life and for joy. And the Father comes and adopts you as a child and speaks a blessing over you. The, the, whole, the whole Godhead is at work on you right now. And so I pray for us today. If there's anyone here today, I speak to those that have never asked Jesus into their heart. Would you take this moment? You can have the blessing of the Father. And you don't even have to deserve it or even understand it fully. But just say, Jesus, I want, I want you. I want to follow you. And for every one of us, who maybe some of us have walked with Jesus a long time, we still need the blessing of the Father. I'm a big grown-up woman, and I still need the blessing of my daddy. I don't care if you're 25, 75. We need the blessing of our Father in heaven. So I want us to take a moment, quiet. Father, bless your children here. Pour a blessing upon this church, upon every woman, upon every man, upon every child. Just receive. He's not judging you. He's not angry at you. He, he just loves you. Just like when we looked at the kids up here do, today doing their little thing. It didn't matter at all if they got their lines right. <laughs> we didn't care. We just loved them. They did. They did a great job, but Jesus looks at you that way. He loves it when you get it right and you're operating in your gifts and flourishing and thriving, but he just loves you no matter what. So receive his blessing today.